The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Some staggering numbers released this week about the opioid epidemic in Alberta. And uh, the province says COVID-19, the pandemic, has played a role in that. Now, in the first six months, 449 people died of an unintentional opioid poisoning. 301 of those deaths came during April... Uh, between April and June in the midst of the pandemic. Now, the province says the report highlights the stark effects that COVID-19 has had when it comes to unintentional opioid poisoning. Chief Medical Officer of Health Dr. Dina Hinshaw talked about it in her COVID-19 briefing yesterday. During the first six months of 2020, 449 people died from apparent unintentional opioid poisoning. This is an average of 2.5 people per day. Tragically, 301 of these deaths occurred between April and June. That is a staggering number. My heart goes out to everyone who has lost someone they loved. It can't be ignored that deaths rose during the first few months of the pandemic, which we know caused challenges for many Albertans. This includes challenges in accessing the supports and services they depend on and increases in isolation, stress and anxiety. The impact goes beyond simply the number of lives that were lost. There were also more than 3,000 emergency and urgent care visits related to opioids and other drug use between April and June. These numbers are difficult and troubling to hear. We know that other jurisdictions are seeing similar trends as the far-reaching impacts of COVID-19 are felt across our society. Now, the report also outlined how business closures during the pandemic caused huge challenges for everyone, but suggested that vulnerable populations faced even more adversity trying to access the supports that they depend on. To take a closer uh, take a closer look at this, we're joined this afternoon by Dr. Rebecca Haynes-Saw, who's an assistant professor in the Department of Community Health Sciences, the Cummings School of Medicine at the University of Alberta. Uh, doctor, welcome back to the show. Uh, thanks for having me on, but I'm at the University of Calgary. You may be thinking of another expert at University of Alberta, oh, but really happy no, to be here. <laughs> my apologies. You know what? I had written down University of Calgary and everything. I don't know where that came from, but yeah, let's get off on a better foot, shall we? I no mean, worries. I wish I wasn't. I wish I wasn't talking to you uh, about this, and, and and this wasn't going on, uh, Doctor. Uh, you heard Doctor Hinshaw calling uh, those numbers difficult and troubling. I suspect that you knew the numbers were going to be bad, but did you? expect them to be this bad? I think it made everyone quite uh, shocked and upset to hear the numbers. Uh, We did predict that we were going to be quite high, um, Mm -hmm. but it's absolutely, like you said, staggering to see this report. So for those who don't know or maybe can't understand can you explain what an accidental opioid overdose is because there's a lot of folks out there that would think that well no as soon as you're um, taking a, a, a drug of any kind there's the the possibility that something bad could happen can you explain it for us yeah I think that we've seen the language change since um, this current 
uh, opioid poisoning crisis hit uh, Alberta and other jurisdictions in North America about five years ago. And that's because there used to be, I guess, in the public's mind, an association between it being intentional or that people, you know, were wanting to end their lives by taking substances or, or taking a known risk. Mm-hmm. And the fact remains that the drug supply now is so toxic and so unknown to people that it is uh, kind of like Russian roulette every time you use, and people are not intending at all to end their lives. Uh, so it is an accidental poisoning death. So we've had more deaths from overdose in three months than we've seen from COVID in Alberta in almost seven months. I look at, you know, what's been done in this province when it comes to COVID. And of course, I mean, there are, there are, there are differences, obviously. But when you, when you look at that number and the fact that not a whole lot seems to be being done where does that put your head at and in your mind at, at where we are in the state of this province and, and what needs to be done moving forward yeah i think that's a great question observation things are being done uh but we're going in the opposite direction of where we need to go a lot of these services and programs that we know prevent opioid overdose death, uh, that treat opioid use disorder, uh, that are within the realm of public health and harm reduction approaches to addressing this crisis. Uh, We've seen those defunded and paused uh, since this government took power, and there's a new investment focused on uh, a recovery-based continuum of care. And of course, for people experiencing mental health issues, for experiencing addiction, any investment in the system is so welcomed. But I think what's confusing in the public's mind when we hear from politicians about these major investments is these are not what the evidence tells us will prevent overdose deaths. They may help people ready for treatment, uh, access recovery and pursue that, but they don't help people who are immediately at risk of dying because of the drug they're using. Dr. Rebecca Hainsaw joining us this afternoon, uh, assistant professor in the Department of Community Health Sciences at the Cummings School of Medicine at the University of Calgary joining us this afternoon. We know that we saw a drastic drop in the number of visits to supervised consumption sites um, during, um, during this time frame that we're talking about. What does it tell you then about supervised consumption sites? Yeah, I think they're absolutely essential for people. Um, A health service that is needed that people couldn't access during this time because some people may have been following instructions to self-isolate as much as possible. Mm. People who are vulnerable and unhoused, you know, don't have access to a vehicle like we do to drive to a clinic and get tested. So people may have been worried, um, you know, about accessing transit or or other ways of of getting around the city. I do want to emphasize, though, that agencies... um, who host supervised consumption sites Mm -hmm. and and those clinics within Alberta Health Services were already incredibly stressed because of the policy changes that were happening uh, to the sites prior to. And this just provided a whole other layer uh, of logistics to deal with when, when the pandemic hit. So I think we can't fully blame COVID-19 for this for this increase in a, in a straightforward way that, that people aren't accessing the services because I think we've seen that across the board for many different health conditions as well. So I'm a, a bit cautious about that. 
Doctor, you've, you've talked about the drug supply being so toxic, and we've heard that a lot over the past number of months, the past year, couple years, to be honest uh, with you. So when it comes to 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 that side of it all and I, I guess it's you know the access to you know again that goes back to the consumption sites then right is making mm-hmm. sure that people have a safe product if they are going to use that 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 it's safe yeah I think it's incredibly um you know it's it's inc- it's a big mindset to shift to, to think about yeah well what can we do to, to help people access a safer drug because in the mind of the general public we hear this um you know, we hear this wording from the current Associate Minister of Mental Health and Addictions that this government will not support providing free narcotics to addicts yeah. using that type of language. And so that might lead people to think that, you know, this is a type of enabling. The fact remains, the drug supply here is killing people. Novel synthetic combinations of opioids and other drugs are coming out every day because the illegal drug market is so creative and responsive. And when the pandemic hit, they found new ways to circumvent uh, border closures and other uh, restrictions on the drug supply. So, um, you know, federally and even locally, there was a push for ways to ensure that people could access um, a safe supply of a pharmaceutical grade opioid as, a, as medication, as treatment. Uh, but we haven't seen uh, that being even thought about here uh, in our province, unlike other jurisdictions. Doctor, I can't even, I, I'm not even going to go to my text line right now because um, I'm sure there are, it's it's probably blowing up right now because, as you said, there's a lot of people uh, that can't get their head around, um, you know, the thought of providing uh, a safe supply and, you know, there, there'd be a lot of other, and again, this is, this is layered, they'd, they'd be saying, well, why are we, why are, yeah, why are we uh, helping addicts continue on, right, down that path, that's what they're saying on the text line, but number two, I guess my, the other thing is, is then there's, why wouldn't we put that money into treatment and, and beds and that sort of thing? I think we are investing in that area. I think what is also difficult for people to hear is that a lot of the common sense policy solutions or options we think are effective are going to help people. The research evidence, the science just shows that, you know, this is what we think works, but it actually doesn't. So I have a research project where I've spoken to over 40 families across Canada whose children have died uh, of overdose and substance use death. Mm-hmm. and. Many of them support these policy options because they tried all these things. They had their child uh, go into a residential rehab center, and in some cases when they relapsed, uh, you know, they were very at high risk of overdose uh, death and died. Um, you know, we just don't have those outcomes from some programs that we think will be effective. And similarly so in terms of the um you know the the criminal the criminalization solutions in terms of we just need to lock people up uh there's an ample supply of illegal drugs in jail and people are at uh, more risk of overdose when they come out so uh, we really need to change our thinking and look what the evidence tells us if if we really are concerned about keeping people alive but these numbers to me sadly show that Many of us don't seem to care if a large number of Albertans die, and to me, that's wholly unacceptable. Well, Doctor, I think th- I think that there's, you know, for a lot of folks, um, 
they might have a, a stereotypical image of what a drug user is or looks like or what an addict is or you know something that they've they've seen whatever it is and, and not realizing that you know sometimes people who are who are dying from accidental uh, overdoses maybe it's you know maybe they're maybe they use drugs just when they're partying it's an occasional thing it's not an everyday thing I mean it, it covers a wide gamut doesn't it I think it absolutely does. Like, if you want to look at the epidemiology of substance use, we know that people, um, you know, without resources who are marginalized, they, they suffer uh, disproportionately. But, of course, these problems affect people from all types of families, all yeah. backgrounds. Um, there are people who've used for a long time, and, and with the drug supply the way it is now, uh, there's people who've used only a few times. And I've certainly spoken to families uh, where they weren't even aware their their young adult or adolescent child was using. Um, you know, we saw in our province, um, this happened at a house party in Strathmore last year. Uh, there were young people with just casual experimental users. Uh, we, we, mm-hmm. we do hear these stories taking place. Uh, but beyond that, whoever's using, we, it's very stigmatized. And so there's a silence. So wherever you are, whoever your family is, it's really, really hard. And when we have, you know, um, our premier talking about uh, addicts injecting poison into their veins, I think mm-hmm. it contributes to that culture of, of people feeling ashamed. One of the other numbers that really jumped out uh, from this report, and, and Dr. Hinshaw had mentioned it yesterday, saying that there was more than 30,000 emergency and urgent care visits related to opioids and other drug use between April and June. I mean, think about the the pressure on, on the healthcare system with those numbers. That's, that's you know, I, I'm going to use the word again. It's, it's staggering as well, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. And, uh, you know, as my colleagues in emergency medicine will remind us, the emergency department sees the results of all the, you know, gaps in the healthcare system that push people downstream. So it just means that people don't have the options to seek care in their in their communities, especially during uh, pandemic times, uh, and they're not able to access the support they need. So, you know, if we, we had more access uh, to opioid agonist treatment or we had more ways that people could seek care in their communities or from, from their family physicians uh, without waiting an, or, or finding themselves in a crisis situation where it's an emergency, um, you know, that would definitely that would definitely add to the system. Dr. Hinshaw said yesterday the pandemic is still going to be with us for many months and went on to say, quote, if any changes are needed, we will make them. How, how optimistic are you that those changes will be made or changes or any changes will be made? You know, I, I want to be optimistic, um, but from what I'm hearing from frontline service providers here in Calgary, um, you know, uh, they're worried that the Q3 numbers are going to be uh, even yeah. worse than what we've seen in Q2. So that remains to be seen. But I mean, the predictions that people made about about these numbers, uh, unfortunately, uh, were borne out. and. Uh, so I, I'm just really worried, and I'm also worried because we've seen like federal endorsement of of, of prescribing uh, pharmaceutical grade opioids for folks, a safe supply initiative. We've seen BC say, you know, we haven't been able to roll this out very successfully during the pandemic. We're going to now authorize nurse practitioners to do it. 
in our province, we're kind of going backwards around that. We've, we're uh, moving towards defunding uh, some of these programs and services, so I'm actually a little bit worried. <laughs> Oh boy! All right. Um, you know, overall, and 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 um, I know um, your your research, you know, um, has has been on this quite a bit. But I'm I'm guessing as well. Um, you know, overall, it's just not opioids that we're looking at that. The, the dependence uh, is there, and certainly that we've seen increased use of um, over the past number of months. I know, you know, we, we've heard a lot of talk about alcohol, that sort of thing. I mean, this is um, this is multi-level, isn't it? I think so. I, I also do um, a fair bit of research in the area of cannabis, and we know that yeah. cannabis consumption, uh, in terms of what we know from sales numbers, is, is up. Uh, and anecdotally, you, you do see a lot of people on your social media talking about how um, alcohol consumption and other legal yeah. substances are yeah. up because they can share that. And what I think is important, and what I heard in um, you know the remarks from Dr. Hinshaw and, and Minister Luan is this is related to people's anxiety or stress. And yeah. uh, from where I am as a public health researcher, that's a very <laughs> individual explanation. Uh, but this is a community problem, and this is what we call a structural problem, right? Like in my situation, uh, I was stuck at home with my children, homeschooling. Um, so there's a lot of changes going on beyond my control. So to blame the individual for not handling their stress well enough or for their anxiety, uh, I think we need to be really careful that we don't do that um, because this is beyond just people and their you know, bad habits. Doctor, always good to talk with you. Thank you for joining me once again this afternoon. I appreciate your time. I really appreciate being on. Thanks. Thank you. Dr. Rebecca Haynes saw joining us this afternoon from the Cummings School of Medicine.